It is interesting how we can get stuck looking at our insufficiency, but I try to help people to really refocus on possibilities, on potential, on the strengths as you do. Sometimes we think, oh, it would be better to hide out while I sort all this stuff through, but we're missing so many brains in our communities. We're missing so many wonderful voices. We're missing so much talent when we have a whole section of our population hiding out, fearing that they're going to be found out when really we're all brilliant minds. We are all so gifted. Richard Branson, Michael Phelps, Justin Timberlake, James Carville, Wait a minute. Where are the women? Greta Gerwig, Lisa Ling, Audra McDonald, Simone Biles. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of industries. They all have ADHD, but you don't hear much about that now, do you? You know what else you don't hear about? Are the 43% of people with ADHD who are in excellent mental health. Why aren't we talking about them and what they're doing right? I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka, and that's exactly what we do here. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, and now the author of my new book, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm also a certified ADHD coach and the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a patented system that helps ADHD women just like you get unstuck and fall in love with their brilliant brains. Here, we embrace our too-muchness and we focus on our strengths. My guests and I credit our ADHD for some of our greatest gifts. And to those who still think they're too much, too impulsive, too scattered, too disorganized, I say no one ever made a difference by being too little. Hello, hello, hello. I am your host, Tracy Otsuka. Thank you so much for joining me here for episode number 259 of ADHD for Smartass Women. This is going to be a very different episode than anything we've ever done here. Today, I have invited my good friend, Dr. Christine Lee, to the podcast, and she's going to interview me. I don't really know what we're going to talk about, and so I'm really nervous. I don't know what motherhood, ADHD, positive emotion, definitely the book, but the ball is clearly in Christine's court. She's running with it. And where we end up, we end up, but we promise it'll be fun, right? Right. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. So let me introduce you. (laughs) I am delighted to introduce you to Dr. Christine Lee. You may already know her as the procrastination coach. Dr. Lee is a seasoned psychologist who calls Westchester, New York, her home. And her journey into the depths of procrastination research began as a personal mission to conquer her own procrastination habits. This quest has not only led her to a profound understanding of the topic, but also established her as a renowned expert in the field. In addition to her academic contributions, Dr. Lee is the host of the highly regarded podcast, Make Time for Success, where she shares invaluable insights and strategies to help listeners overcome procrastination and achieve their goals. 
Her impressive track record includes facilitating engaging workshops and training programs on procrastination at prestigious institutions such as Columbia University, New York Presbyterian Medical School, Fordham University, Barnard College, so on and so on. Dr. Lee's blend of personal experience and professional expertise makes her insights and teachings particularly impactful and relatable. Welcome, Christine. I'm kind of scared because this is the first time in five years I'm giving up all control. And you know, I'm a control freak, right? Well, Tracy, this makes two of us being terrified. (laughs) And I am just gonna say thank you for trusting me with the interviewer role here because your podcast has become such a wonderful source of inspiration, information, and entertainment for so many women around, men and women around the world. So I want to congratulate you on this platform and on the work that you've done and now this beautiful book that you've created as well. Thank you. You know, when I was looking for your bio, I was searching my Google Drive for your old show notes because you were on this show before. Do you know you were my first guest on this podcast ever? I do know that. And I remember asking you to switch the time that we were recording. It's something I try not to do. And I think we were both a little bit discombobulated (laughs) as a result. (laughs) But I remember just being excited and being so grateful to be your friend and colleague throughout. So thank you for having me be a friend and colleague along for your ride, because it's been amazing to see your work, your passion come to life, and to see what you've created again with this beautiful podcast. Well, thank you. So here we go. Let's talk about this wonderful book that you have created. And why don't we start with the whole concept of control and what you've learned from designing the book, coming up with the book, negotiating the book, and now coming to this point where you're actually telling the world about this book and really celebrating the book and what it means for the community of women with ADHD. How have you had to navigate your own issues around control and wanting to have everything go a certain way in this process? Let's start there. Well, it's really interesting because I am a control freak. You know, I want to make sure that I'm managing everything so that I can perform at the optimum level. And this is the first time in literally decades where I was not in control. Now, the only way I could have written this book, I knew this from the beginning, was I couldn't self-publish. If I would have self-published, it would have never gotten done. I needed a little bit of that, you know, the, what do they call it? The whip. Whatever you, the whip. (laughs) I needed a little bit of the whip because we will often disappoint ourselves, but if there's big enough guns, we're never going to disappoint, you know, anyone else. And so I knew I needed a publisher, you know, traditional publishing, and I knew it had to be a publisher that was pretty substantial. And I, I definitely got that with my acquiring editor, Lisa Sharkey. But the flip side to that is, You're doing something you've never done before. And I could feel myself really pushing back because I wasn't leading the show. And I'm used to leading the show and doing what I want to do when I want to do it, right? That's kind of the ADHD brain. We like 
everything to be in this free space of when I feel like it, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it my way. And here I couldn't do that. But what I realized, you know, and I pushed back, I pushed back. And then I realized that, wait a minute, these people know what they're doing. Like how many hundreds of, you know, New York Times bestsellers has, you know, Lisa Sharkey pushed into the stratosphere? I need to just back up and back off and let them lead. And, you know, even with dancing, like I remember my husband and I, we took dance classes and I couldn't not lead. That's just <laughs> who I am. Like I'm a bulldozer, right? And so I, I really had to learn how to not lead. And the understanding I came to with myself is that, again, these people are doing this every day. They're so much better than you at it. And, but, but I also had to fight for what I knew I needed, right? Because otherwise then it, it wasn't going to work at all. But I needed them as much as they needed me, right? So it had to be a team. And there were things that they were always going, they had all this experience. So I had to sit down, shut up, and listen and do what it was that they were asking me to do. I mean, of course, it had to make sense, but it's like in the real world, right? We need both brains, right? We need the neurotypical brains because they're going to provide the structure and keep you moving forward. Like, you know, just these amazing editors that I had the privilege of working with. And the way my brain works, it's all these thoughts. And this is an ADHD thing. They're all important. You know, we struggle to, to determine, okay, which are the thoughts that really should come first and which ones should I just get rid of because I'm going to overwhelm people. But because I know that my audience, you meet one person with ADHD, you've met one person with ADHD. And so I felt like, well, they all need something different. So I want to make sure I'm throwing everything at them and the kitchen sink. But that just makes for a very confusing, very long, very cluttered book. And so I was, as much as it was really foreign to me and really difficult for me to, to kind of abdicate that control, I knew that they would streamline the book and literally reduce it by half and put in what was simple and clear and needed to be there. And even though they got rid of half of my stories, and sometimes I'm reading this book and I'm thinking, well, where, what happened to that story? Oh, they cut that too, yeah. right? Because I would go on and on. And they were like, no, one paragraph, two paragraphs. I want to interject here that having just recently gone through the book and had the pleasure of reading the book, I want to tell our listeners that the book actually is super clear. I was struck by that immediately from the first time I read the book or attempted to read the whole book. It was <laughs> so delightful because there's Tracy's stories and her voice is in there. So it really comes through, but it's also super clear and intelligent without being overwhelming. And I just thought this is a wonderful piece of work. So I just wanted to share that at the top of the interview because I didn't want to leave that out because I think that would be a shame if people thought, oh, this is just going to be a bunch of nonfiction, heavy stuff. It really isn't. It is a beautiful, smooth, delightful read. So that's that's my two cents there. But really, take that as fact. That's my editors. <laughs> Trust me. Okay, let's go with what you needed from the book before you started. What did you know you had to 
put into the world, to put into this book before you started writing? So the reason why I wanted to write this book is obviously we want to change more women's lives. I mean, that's always the goal. But my programs can be pricey to some. And I always felt bad. Like, if you can't afford my program, where can I send you? And so the goal was to write a book that I could send them to the book because everybody can afford, you know, a book. I'm trying to remember where I wanted to. Um, what was your question again, Christy? What What you wanted from the book, what you felt it was going to do for you and your mission. Oh, so my other goal was some people just aren't podcast people, right? But I know how many lives we've been able to change through this podcast. I mean, I get these messages daily, multiple times a day. And I wanted to be able to do that with the book. And that was my biggest fear. I felt like, well, you know, if my editors are taking things out, that means there's less of my voice. And isn't that, and I, and I didn't even know what they were taking out at that point because there was so much to take out. Like it was overwhelming what I gave them. And then the way my brain works is out of sight, out of mind, right? So I didn't even realize it was taken out because I would not take the time to go through all the edits and really figure out what was taken out. I mean, sometimes I did, but generally no. And so I just wanted to make sure that what we did with the podcast, we were actually able to do with the book. And when you are so close to something like a book that you've spent almost two years from the book proposal to actually, you know, delivering this book to market, when you've spent that, actually it was two and a half years, when you spent that long in it, oh my gosh, it's like here, I couldn't see the forest through the trees. And so when I was done with the book, I was just like, this sucks. This is, you know, because it was so close. I couldn't see had we accomplished what I really was hoping we had accomplished. And then when I gave it to people to read and they said, oh, no, no, it's great. I just thought they were lying to me because that's just how my brain works. Now, you know, you're just being nice. And then I went to go visit my, I had never met my publishing team in person. And I went to New York. I was there and I, I met them for lunch. And my editor, Maddie Polari, said to me, I am really proud of this book. I'm proud to have been part of it. And I could tell that she wasn't just telling me that, that she really believed that. So that was the first thing. And I remember thinking, and it was really like this whole thing was so emotional because, you know, my mom passed away very unexpectedly. Literally, I delivered the manuscript on a Tuesday. It was all done. And I have never, she never read it. She hadn't been given any of it because I'm a perfectionist. And I thought, well, if I could give her the book like this, you know, it's just more credible, right? And um, so I hadn't given her anything. And my thought with Maddie was, if she can be proud of this book, I can be proud of this book too. And then I went home and we got the review from Publishers Weekly. And I just found that by accident. And I was just, once I found it, I was like, oh my gosh. And it was so hard to even go in there and read it. And right after that, I also found, and I always forget where, what is that? Um, I'm going to look for it right now. It's called NetGalley. So from the Publishers Weekly review, somehow I ended up on NetGalley and I'm like, oh my gosh, real people have reviewed this book. 
And I went into the reviews and there were people who were saying things like, I don't read nonfiction. I have no interest in nonfiction. The title of this book is what kind of hooked me in. And I am so glad that I read it because it changed my life. And so when I started reading those kinds of reviews, I realized that, oh my gosh, I think we did accomplish it. And then yesterday I found out that Book Riot just named our book, ADHD for Smartass Women, as um, one of the top self-help books for 2024. And of course, I didn't know who Book Riot was. <laughs> and so I had to look it up. And, you know, my publishers were like, this is a big deal. And I looked it up and I'm like, okay, it is a big deal. So I'm, I'm really proud of that. And so now, and then, you know, I'm getting, so the book isn't supposed to be available, but for some reason, Barnes & Noble has it. And I've been getting little messages from women I don't know, you know, who are like, I'm in the aisles and I'm crying, Aww. you know, and I, I bought this book and I, you know, it's, it's, it's changed my life. So I know that we've been able to accomplish what we did on the podcast. And the other goal was I wanted to give them something where the whole podcast, like the most important parts of the podcast were all in one book. So if you're like me, where I just want to get to the bottom line, I don't want to read or listen to 267 podcasts. You can go to this book and it's all in one place, the most important thing. So that was really long-winded, but that would be the answer to what did I want to get <laughs> okay, out of Okay, sounds great. You are making me think, just in your example of one woman with lots of different ideas, big dreams, but also some self-doubt, how do you mm. encourage your audience to keep the bigger vision alive when there is maybe sometimes a very strong cord self-doubt voice inside saying, you know what? You're really lame. You know what? You failed a lot in the past. You know what? You're kind of an imposter doing this stuff that you're trying to do. What are your techniques that many of them are in the book? I know, but if you could share with some of them now, some of those techniques with us now, but also just your general ideas, because you've been able to navigate that conflict, right? The the imposter voice inside and the big vision, big doer, big creator part of you. People assume that when you have ADHD, you're lazy, unmotivated, and not living to your full potential. Only one of those things is true. ADHD for Smartass Women, the book, helps readers understand the different strategies that our unique brains require to succeed so that we can become the best version of ourselves right now. And you know what? It's available for pre-order at ADHDforsmartwomen.com forward slash book. And if you pre-order, you'll get a myriad of bonuses starting with my free training on what ADHD actually looks like in women. So, go to ADHDforsmartwomen.com forward slash book and pre-order right now before you forget. I think that I am actually an example of just doing it and doing it messy and not apologizing. And I've always had this attitude that I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm just going to do it. Like, how did I even end up in very short years, right, being this expert on ADHD? And 
the fact that I often feel like I'm taking on a lot of the ADHD establishment, right? That's all about the pathology and what's wrong with us and what's broken. And the truth of the matter is there's nothing wrong with us. And 43% of us are in excellent mental health, but nobody wants to talk about that. And that's a big study out of Canada. And, you know, like I don't stop talking about that. So instead of worrying about all the stuff that we can't do, what if we focus on what we can do and what we do well, right? With our high energy and our great creativity and our, you know, hyper-focused interests. I've just never felt the need to apologize for who I am. It's almost like, well, if you don't like me and you don't get it, screw it. Now, do I sometimes have thoughts where, so I have a real struggle with working memory. You know that. And I really believe that what you focus on just gets bigger, right? And so as I'm talking about my working memory, literally, I'm thinking, why are you talking about this? Why are you talking about this? But it is a struggle. So I am now having to put myself out there with my weakness of a pretty bad working memory. And I've written this book, but there are times when I'll be preparing for a podcast and I'm thinking, okay, they want to talk about attention. Okay, attention. What? I guess that's focus, right? Like it doesn't come natural to me. And so I will go do all the research again and I'll have it all put together for, you know, if someone's interviewing me or, you know, I'm on a podcast and it's specific. And then I will go into this book, like as a closing thought. And I will go in and I'm like, wait a minute, I said it all here. And I said it so simply. And, you know, I just went on this two hour wild goose chase, but it was all in here. But I've forgotten that it's in here. I've forgotten that I've simplified it. So I think I'm an example of if I go on a podcast or if I'm in an interview with media and I don't remember something, I'm just very honest about, okay, it's called a wormhole. That's what I call it. And I have on their app, I have a little section that is basically called, do I call it wormhole or did I change the word hole, but I feel like it's a worm that's boring into my head, you know? And that certain words, evolutionary. Why can I remember the word evolutionary? There are just certain words. They don't stick in my brain. Certain names like book, riot. I asked my husband 20 times, what was that again? Because it doesn't make sense. How does riot have anything to do with a site that publishes reviews, right? That reviews books, riot. So if it doesn't make sense, you know, nervous system, like how is it that I can't remember the word nervous system, but I always get stuck. And so I have just learned to basically show the world where I get stuck. And I, you know, I hired a speaking coach that you referred to me, um, Catherine, what's her last name? Beck. Beck. So I asked her to please, no, she asked me, she said, okay, I want you to take a podcast episode. And I'm like, I'm going to give you this one before it's edited. And I think I bombed it. And I gave it to her and she came back and she said, actually, when you were struggling for your words, because she believes she has ADHD too, she goes, I could relate to that so much that it made me lean in more because instead of pretending that it didn't happen, so they'd cut it out or whatever. It was really what was most engaging because I could see myself in you. And so I have learned to just do it, even though it's super scary. 
because it's to do it. And instead of thinking about myself too, thinking about that one woman out there whose life, that podcast, that interview, that whatever will change the book, like that one person who's going to read that book and it's going to change their life. And so I could go through all of the discomfort of being in a position where I had to follow and I couldn't lead and I had to, you know, not be the one that was bossing everybody else around, right? Because it was for that one person. It wasn't about me, ultimately. I love this. And I'm so glad you're speaking more and more (laughs) on not just your podcast, but on other stages as well. And I think it's great for everyone, including your own experience of your own power. I believe that for everyone who gets on a stage, really, we have to go through our greatest fears, I think, sometimes to really Mm -hmm. fulfill our own dreams and fulfill our potential. So I'm so proud of you and so grateful that you're having all these opportunities because of things like Book Riot. I'm sure there's a lot in store for you next year and the years following. When you spoke about feeling, I forget what word you were using, guilt, something like that. It made me think about that section in your book, which is a beautiful section about the nature of ADHD and women in particular. The fact that women need to adhere to certain gender norms and roles, that there are different pressures that women face without maybe even consciously knowing about them because they Mm -hmm. are women. And I would love for you to say a few words about how important these issues are for you and why you're doing all of this work, the book and the promotion and your podcast, because I found that section to be so important and so what all about who you are and all about what your work is. So I just definitely wanted to make sure to mention that on this episode. So, you know, I'm all about the humor. I'm all about the positive emotion. I'm all about making things light. However, ADHD in women is a really serious subject because 24% of all women with ADHD will attempt suicide, especially the hyperactive impulsive types, which you can imagine why that would be, right? And so I don't want to make light of it because women struggle with certainly, you know, suicidation. I think it's eight times the rate of men. But women in general with ADHD struggle so much more than men with ADHD. And that is because of society and all these roles and sexism and this idea that you can't just, it's not enough to take care of yourself, right? You also are responsible for the kids, if there are kids. You're responsible for the household. You're responsible often for your partner's executive functions, which makes no sense. And then beyond that, If you are more hyperactive impulsive, well, society doesn't really like women like that. They don't like women that speak their mind. They don't like women that say, no, I don't want to do it that way. They don't like women that are loud, right? And opinionated. And, you know, most of us with hyperactive impulsive type ADHD can be like that. So we're supposed to be neater. You know, our desks at school are supposed to be neater. We're supposed to have better handwriting. And all of that is just a bunch of BS. And it's all come up around you know, the social construct of education, and then just how we live our lives as far as with 
in partnerships, with marriage. And it's all because of that. And we have the choice to say, I'm not like that. And I don't need to be like that. What I can do, we know the ADHD brain is a brain of interest. What I can do is focus on what I'm really interested in. And then I can get help with the stuff that I'm not so good at, like maybe paying bills or maybe keeping a house clean or, you know, getting dinner on the table. Because that's not our role just by virtue of the fact that we were born with a uterus, you know? Your partner can help you get dinner on the table. Or they can, like in my household, they can get dinner on the table and then you do the other things that you do much better. So I think part of the reason why even clinicians don't understand ADHD, it's getting better. You know, ADHD with women in women is that twice the amount of women have inattentive ADHD than men. And so that can look less like the hyperactive impulsive types, which is, you know, the boys annoying type and girls are like that too, but they tend to not, they, they internalize their symptoms much more than boys do. And so because boys are annoying to everyone around them, they get the attention, they get the diagnoses versus girls, even when they're hyperactive impulsive, they tend to be more hyperactive impulsive around like their speech, right? They talk a lot. They get, you know, I, I've been on a couple of podcasts where the women have said, oh, I was constantly in the hallway. They're constantly getting moved. I used to always hear that, you know, Tracy would be a much better student if she'd not disturb her neighbors. <laughs> you know, that's how we are. We're really um, exuberant. We can be, you know, when we're hyperactive impulsive, exuberant, we get into trouble, but it's not the same kind of trouble. It's more, you know, a lot of us do well in school. And so they're not worried about us school-wise. It's more just, you know, we're disruptive. The thing is, though, if girls tend to internalize their symptoms more and beat themselves up about them, and boys externalize, they get into trouble, they get in fights, they're, you know, they're just problems. What happens with girls is, ultimately, they end up being diagnosed with anxiety and depression, which may be comorbid. They may have both. But often, if you treat the ADHD, the anxiety and depression goes away. So even with the good girls who are doing well in school, they're always kind of in their heads, kind of struggling to keep up because why am I so disorganized? Why do I have to work harder than everybody? Like I had literally sold myself a bill of goods that I was an excellent student. I was a good student, but the amount of work that I had to do compared to other people, my peers, right? Other students was insane. I mean, I remember all the work, you know, because it wasn't enough to just read it, whatever. I'm thinking of law school, to read the case law. I had to underline it. So, and then I had to highlight it. I had to write notes in the margins. So I would read it like three times. Then I had to put it in a notebook. Then I had to tab the notebook and do the highlight underline in the notebook. And then from the notebook, I would finish studying with that. I would go to three by five cards. And then from the three by five cards, I would go to one sheet of, of paper. So I had the most amazing notes. So everybody wanted to use my notes. They would take the notes the night before and they would get a better grade than I did. I knew it, but, you know, working memory issues and just focus and yeah. Okay, so they're diagnosed with anxiety and depression and often mismedicated too, right? And a lot of the medications for anxiety and depression can make the symptoms of ADHD worse, more unfocused, more all over the place. Girls are also diagnosed later. So boys tend to be like you see the symptoms seven to nine years old. With girls, it tends to be at puberty. 
Why? Because estrogen modulates dopamine. And of course, there were no studies on girls. All the studies were done on prepubescent boys, right? So we didn't even know that hormones play a role in all of this. And I mean, puberty, if you think about it, that's probably the hardest time in a girl's life anyway, right? And so all of a sudden, like me, I had such amazing working memory. I mean, I didn't just do the plays, you know, I wasn't just the lead in the plays in English-speaking plays, but also German-speaking plays. And all of a sudden, when I turned 13, I couldn't even remember the chorus of a song. And so that working memory that was so brilliant before, like, it was almost photographic, it was gone. And I had to figure different ways, different systems. And then junior high school is so hard anyway. So what I relied on was my intelligence. And I was like, what happened to it? I'm a fraud. I'm fake. And, you know, that went into high school and then college. And, you know, you see these things, these big things that you do so well. But in the back of your mind, it's all of the little things that aren't related to interest that I really struggled with. And so you're you're just always thinking, well, what if they find out? And, you know, you're just working and working and working so that nobody will know. And so it's, you know, it's no surprise that you end up with perfectionism and imposter complex and always asking like, well, yeah, I'm smart. I'm successful. I've done these things, but I could do so much more. It is interesting how we can get stuck looking at our insufficiency, our areas where Mm -hmm. we're not so great at stuff, but that can become the entire picture. And I, Mm -hmm. like, you know, try to help people to really refocus on possibilities, on potential, on the strengths as you do. And it's such beautiful work because it makes so much sense from the outsider perspective. But when we're the being struggling to be our best selves, sometimes we go the wrong direction. Sometimes we think, oh, it would be better to hide out while I sort all this stuff through and try to figure out these words and how to speak in public and how to remember this complicated case law. But we're missing so many brains in our communities. We're missing so many wonderful voices. We're missing so much talent when we have a whole section of our population hiding out, fearing that they're going to be found out when really we're all brilliant minds. We are all so gifted and we are all just ready to shine. And I'm just so grateful that you have done your work. You have completed this beautiful book that really is a primer in how to make yourself shine. It's how to get those workarounds. It's how to understand what has gone on in your life, symptom-wise and perception-wise and schooling-wise and medication-wise and body Mm -hmm. image-wise. Everything is covered in this book, I promise you. I, I was just amazed at how many different important subject areas there were covered. And that it's all connected, right? Because we're all complicated. And because we Mm -hmm. all are affected by body image, how people see us, our schooling, how we adjust, how our working memory is. So I think you've done just a masterful piece of work. And I can totally understand how this has been noted as a great self-help book. 
as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's going to fill a lot of different buckets for people, if that's the right phrase, because it is so useful and there's so much information and stories and cases and your own stories from your own life that I can certainly relate to, too, in there. So I just wanted to say thank you again, because this was no easy task. This was no easy two and a half years for you. And I just wanted to say thank you. You're welcome. And they say that writing a book is the best self-development that you can ever do. And I will say that is so true because I was uncomfortable the whole time. And I always tell people, you should be uncomfortable every day because that means you're pushing yourself. And especially for us with ADHD brains, you know, we struggle because, well, they don't know. Is it our brains don't make enough dopamine or is it how our brains process dopamine? But it's all about dopamine. But guess what happens when you step into the fear and you get into action? That fires your dopamine. And the more you do, and this is what most, you know, hyperactive impulsive types have figured out. If you're in your area of interest and you're, you're constantly, you know, pushing yourself to go a little bit further, you increase your confidence. And so I think that is where the statistic comes from. A lot of entrepreneurs, right? the 43% that are in excellent mental health. Because the more you push yourself, the more you get out of that comfort zone, two friggin' years of being out of my comfort zone, the more you grow, right? And then you obviously get more confident. Yes, now you're making me think about the action step piece of things. Mm -hmm. And I know that associated with your book release and book launch, you have lots of different ways for people to get into action and to be connected with you and to be more connected with your community. Can you tell us a few of those pieces or all of those pieces, whatever you feel like sharing here? Because I don't want people to miss the fact that this book isn't just the hardcover and the paperback. It's really like an experience. So go ahead. Yeah. And hopefully it will start with the book. So we are big picture thinkers, right? You can't just, this is the problem with school. You can't just tell me, study this. If I don't understand, why the hell do I have to study that? If you don't sell me on that, I'm not studying it. And so what I love about this book is you get the big picture. And then once you get the big picture, then you can build all the systems. And they're in the book too, but you can build the systems into your life that work for you. And that's the key. We all, even if you feel like you are the biggest mess, you have systems now. You've just been told that they're not the right systems. So you think you don't have systems, but you have systems. And so it really comes back down to you need to become more of you. You need to figure out what does ADHD mean? What does it really look like in the real world? Not what they're telling us. And then What does it look like for your brain specifically? And then you build your systems around that because ultimately, I don't care what anybody tells you, you are the expert on you because you are the only one who has that rudder inside you, right? That can feel the positive emotion. When you feel the positive emotion, you know you're moving in the right direction. Your doctors, your teachers, your parents, your partner, they don't have that rudder. Only you have it. So, okay. You can go to, and that was such a brilliant segue, Christine. <laughs> um, what I love about you is I will drone on forever versus Christine is so measured, which is why I thought she'd be so perfect for this. 
So you can go to order the book at ADHDforsmartwomen.com forward slash book. And if you go there, you are going to get bonuses. So if, and they're free, obviously. So if you're thinking, well, this sounds like me, find out. I have a bonus training in there that I lead called, What Does ADHD Look Like in Women? I have another training. So we are, with our interest-driven brains, we are mission-driven people. We have to do work that is important to us. And my premise is, if you are doing work that, you know, just this menial kind of, you're always going to be terrible at that. You know, there is no intention behind it. There is no interest. The problem is, and you think, oh, I can't even do that. I can't even be a barista at Starbucks. I can't possibly be a surgeon. I'm like, BS. You are meant to be the surgeon, not the barista. And that is why you're struggling so badly, right? So I have a training in there called, What Do I Do With My Life? that really connects you to your values and your purpose and who you are. There's another training in there on sleep because sleep and exercise and daylight, you know this because we did that attitude webinar together. That all is connected and it's related to your circadian rhythm. And so if you feel like I can't get into bed at night, like I'm staying up way, way too late, well, start with exercising first thing in the morning. And exercise does not have to be this big, scary thing. It is literally just moving your body and exercise is as effective as a course of Ritalin and Prozac, probably Zoloft too. It's as effective, you know, in terms of spiking those neurotransmitters that make you feel good. So you can go to ADHDforsmartwomen.com forward slash book. You can also follow my podcast. I've had women tell me that they started listening to my podcast. And a few months later, they were like, I was a totally different person. It's like free therapy. <laughs> and you can find that, of course, on all the podcast platforms. And it is also called ADHD for Smartass Women. On Instagram, I'm at Tracy Otsuka. Well, thank you, Tracy, again, for really digging deep into your own strengths and really going where your positive emotion took you first for your family and then for yourself and then for building your business and your mission. And now you're reaching all the women who are wondering for themselves, where can they go next? And it all started with you. So thank you for birthing this book, for going through the very hard years. I can attest that Tracy it was not a cakewalk for Tracy that she really no. had to do the deep work and had to do the reflection and had to do the writing hours and the proofing hours and the audio booking hours for us all. So I wanted to say congratulations and thank you. And I'm so happy for you. And I'm so excited to see what this creates for you and your community next. Well, thank you, Christine. You are you are one of my favorites. And so I want you to tell people if they want to know more about you and what you do, where can they find you? Oh, thank you very much. I'm Dr. Christine Lee. I am based in New York, like Tracy said, and I am all over the internet, as is Tracy. I tend to go by procrastination coach 
there. I do have a podcast myself. It's called Make Time for Success. It's a love of mine, just like Tracy's podcast is a big love of hers. And I interview guests who have gone through a struggle and have come through on the other end. And I just really adore each and every one of my guests, each and every one of these stories. And sprinkled in between these interview episodes, I also provide a few insights that I've come up with myself from just a history of being a psychologist, a history of being a procrastination sufferer and survivor. (laughs) And I just wanted to make this body of work for you guys as well, just to really help you get out of your own way a little bit. If I can do that, my mission is satisfied also. So thank you, Tracy, for having me be on this show and for having me along for this beautiful ride of yours. Oh, okay. That's going to all be in the show notes. Christine, thank you so much. Thank you, Tracy. So that's what I have for you for this week. If you like this episode, please let us know by leaving a review. You know what our goal is. We need to change the conversation around ADHD by helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so they too may discover their amazing strengths. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka. Join us at ADHDforsmartwomen.com where you can find more information on my new book, ADHD for Smartass Women, and my patented Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system to help you get unstuck and fall in love with your brilliant brain.